Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Endeavor Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Breitkopf, and today we're going to be talking about uh, an interesting topic, uh, something that came up uh, because of my co-host and guest today. Hello, Christy Davin. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. So uh, recently you forwarded a, an article that you found on the internet to me. And usually and that's one of those things where, you know, it's like you get forward, 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 and it's some crazy thing. But this one was actually really useful and interesting. Uh, it was an article in Forbes magazine, and I will include a link uh, in the show notes. And it was an article on 17 college majors uh, that are uh, surprisingly underemployed. And I... After going through the list, I was not surprised by several of them, but I, I did think it would be a good idea to talk about this uh, as a follow-up to our previous episode on You'll Never Get a Job with an English Major, where we kind of talked about your experience uh, and, and what advice people have given you. Uh, so uh, tell me a little bit about why you thought that this would be a good article for me to see and for us to talk about on the podcast. Sure. Well, um, as you point out, it's a great follow-up to the podcast that we did about uh, my experience with an English major and yours, incidentally, as a film major, because a lot of the input was the same um, and our situations were parallel in a lot of ways. And this article was interesting to me. Uh, I, I see, I share a lot of the articles, as you know, that I see that have anything to do with what we do because I love to learn um, more about our industry and and how things are developing but um, the things that I found interesting about this one and as you said some of the majors like um, illustrator for instance were uh, not necessarily a surprise especially right. to me um, people in the the fine arts um, music theater um, and the uh, um, two-dimensional arts uh, I find I, I understand why that might be challenging. Um, they're a little, you know, off the beaten path, and there are a lot of very creative people who would love to make money with their um, chosen passion. Um, that's actually is an oxymoron, isn't it? A passion isn't necessarily chosen. But uh, anyway, I'll, I'll forgive you for that. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, so the the reason that this was interesting to me is the ones that were surprising. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple in there, like criminal justice, you pointed out earlier, right. or project management that um, in my job searches in the past have always seen as a skill, a desired skill for a lot of industries and a lot of different positions. Right. So I thought it was interesting for us to cover this next sort of aspect of the the challenging major. Right. And, and I came at it from two perspectives once I, I went through the list. First off, there are several of the the majors that are not surprising, as you just mentioned. And there are some that are surprising. But I wanted to also uh, look at it from the perspective of uh, the big hot major in college is cyclical, at least in my experience. You know, I think many of our listeners at home have probably heard at different times over the last 15, 20 years, oh, you should definitely go into engineering. Engineering is where everybody's going, and that's where all the jobs are. And then two, three years later, oh, no, no, engineers, they're all unemployed. Lawyers, lawyers are where it's at. You should become a lawyer because that's where all the jobs are. And there are those um, 
majors and careers that seem to always cycle through that list as the most popular, the most common, the most successful, the most employable major uh, out there. And on the other end of the spectrum are the majors where uh, you know there's a bit of a harder time establishing a consistent career. Mm-hmm. And I think that that beyond just pointing out what those are, uh, some suggestions that we have from our experience either in those fields or working with people in those fields on how to make a career out of something where uh, there are not necessarily jobs waiting for you. Uh, And the other thing I wanted to touch on was a recent um, uh, internet sensation. Uh, There was an actor by the name of Jeffrey Owens who uh, played a major role on the last several seasons of The Cosby Show in the 1980s. Uh, a fan of the show bumped into Jeffrey Owens while he was working, the, uh, I think two weeks ago, while he was working uh, as uh, a stalker bagger employee at Trader Joe's, uh, a Trader Joe's in New Jersey, and was so shocked, shared this photo of Jeffrey Owens on social media. It was picked up by some um, in, uh, entertainment rumor sites and later by Fox News where they essentially shamed Jeffrey Owens for having fallen so far mm-hmm. uh, from his days of stardom. Not that he was an actual star of the show. He was he portrayed a minor character on somebody else's show that was named after him. Um, but a lot of other uh, people in the film and theater and television industry came to his defense basically saying that unless you're a superstar, one of the tiny less than 1% of all actors who are superstars, most uh, actors, even professional actors who are in the unions, uh, have other jobs that they do in between uh, uh, gigs, basically. You know, theater and film acting jobs. So I, I wanted to tie that all in together. Well, I think it's a really good point. Um, and it reminds me of the conversations that I've had with my son, who is a very passionate musician and wants to um, was wants to focus on that, going to Berklee College of Music or... Um, you know, something else that is music-centric and only music-centric. And as a very practical person, of course, I try to encourage him to focus on that, surely, because that will make him happy, but also try to focus on other skills that may be more applicable to today's workforce and the jobs that may be available to him. So, right. um, and it's a, it's a difficult position to be in as a parent because you don't want to squelch the the passion and the love they have for this thing and their ability the 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 possibility that they could make a living doing what they love but at the same time um jeffrey owens correct that's his name Mm -hmm. um he has a he has a legit job he's doing uh, work that needs to be done and um it's it's something that if, and I don't know his story, I don't know what he went to school for, I don't know if he went to school. He went to the Yale School of Drama Okay. Uh, to get his master's degree in acting after having previously graduated from undergrad. Okay. So, he's, he's considered a well-respected Shakespearean actor. Okay. All right. Yeah, and that's the thing, is like he, if you think about Jeffrey Owens, you say, okay, he's either in a TV show or a movie or on Broadway, or he's bagging at Trader Joe's, that's not exactly true. He's had, uh, from what I read uh, during this whole, whole brouhaha, uh, had positions as a uh, as an instructor, a part-time instructor at different colleges, teaching at drama schools, uh, teaching his own independent classes, and you know, just turned out he needed some cash because he need, you know everybody needs to eat. That's mm-hmm. usually a good thing, 
and you know took a job in between Broadway gigs. And the week after this came out, he auditioned for and got cast in the next uh, Tyler Perry film. Good. So you know it's just it's feast or famine in some of these careers. Right. Right, and a lot of you know freelance writers, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, or um, freelance illustrators, freelance um, producers. I think you're right, and I think it's um, I think it's responsible of them to have another gig, yeah. whether it's bagging groceries or um, waiting tables. You know, New York is full of stars waiting to be discovered mm-hmm. and working convenience stores or working ta- or. Um, serving at restaurants. Right, and I have some stories about that actually as well. But before we go on with that, I want to go back to the article. Now there are 17 uh, college majors that are listed in the article. I'm not going to list them out. That's why it's linked to in the show notes. You can go look that up and enjoy the article. The author of the article I think would really appreciate you clicking through all these slides in the article and um, making that author some money. Um, (laughs) Because that's one of our jobs on here. Uh, So I just want to talk about a few of them. Uh, the, The I want to talk about the ones that aren't surprising first, because those are pretty easy. Uh, amongst the 17 college majors are illustration, radio or TV film, radio, TV or film production, studio art, creative writing, theater, and art history. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six of the 17 surprising majors are in the arts, which I would characterize those six as unsurprising. 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 And I think it's been like that for a really long time, don't you think? I mean, when yeah. we were in school, we and you were a film major, and yeah. you understood, and that was something, with that major, you were understanding that mm-hmm. the chances of you getting a job in your chosen um, area of study was going to be less... Your, your chances were less than right. if you had become an economy major or a, <laughs> yeah. a marine biologist or something like that. Right. Um, so I went to Brandeis University and I was a double major, history major and theater arts major. I later went to film school. But what was amazing was when I, um, like many universities, the big graduation where everybody goes to and they throw their caps in the air, the larger the school, the less likely all the students go up and cross the stage. In fact, at the Brandeis graduation, only the graduate students cross the stage at the main graduation. The day before that, all the majors had their separate graduations. Okay. And, for example, there were 25 theater majors. In the history department, there were 35 history majors. So I attended two of those miniature ceremonies. And of the 20, 25 people with whom I graduated in the theater department, I was the only one who immediately got a job doing theater. Right out of undergrad, I got a job teaching uh, at North Shore Community College, uh, campuses in Lynn and Danvers, Massachusetts. Lovely school. Uh, It's a community college, so it's a two-year school. Mm -hmm. We've talked about community colleges before here on the podcast. And... Um, I actually was working in the student life department, and part of my job was advising and working with the uh, theater arts club. And so I would help the theater arts club students select shows. Uh, I would produce and direct them, and they would get to act in them because that was what they were interested in. And so I got to uh, also, in addition to uh, producing and directing five plays, one of which was a musical over two years, I got to teach three different uh, theater arts classes one each semester for three semesters. And so I actually had a job in 
theater kind of right out of school and I was but that was I was the only one I mm-hmm. was I just happened to look for this job at the right time at the right place most of my friends went off to New York LA etc even Boston auditioning trying to make it in the biz and ended up waiting tables or driving cabs or things like that uh, that's pretty much the normal story so you'll see that while these theater and art and writing majors are not necessarily working in their field. It's not like they're like sitting at home, unemployed, you know, a burden to society. They're off doing other things at first. So that's the first thing I just want to throw out there. Right. Uh, just you know, that's. I mean, there are jobs in theater and film other than as movie star mm-hmm. or Broadway star. Um, a lot of folks I know went to New York. They worked in small bits, you know, day players in TV shows or in Los Angeles, things like that. But one of the most interesting things I observed when I was living in Los Angeles before, uh, during and after I went to graduate school, uh, I was part of the theater and film community in Los Angeles and worked at a theater, uh, worked small jobs and various feature films in addition to my day job uh, in education. And I had several friends and acquaintances who in addition to their theater training, also got training as uh, deaf interpreters. Interesting. And so a lot of these folks used a lot of the same skills that they learned in theater school in deaf interpretation. Uh, use of their body with, with sign language, uh, use of their emotions and facial expression in communicating uh, with and for uh, their deaf clients. And some of them even turned this uh, skill that they used to get day jobs uh, really flexible part-time day jobs. The, 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 the idea of a deaf person having a full-time interpreter is pretty rare actually in the real world, not on, in movies, because it's expensive. You're paying another human being to follow you around and communicate for you, mm-hmm. uh, and only the wealthiest of people can afford that. Usually deaf interpreters are hired uh, for specific events where a deaf speaker has to go to a conference, and so they want the interpreter there to uh, communicate uh, questions from the audience or, or a question from the moderator for the deaf speaker or to help the deaf speaker communicate with uh, other people. A famous example actually was recently, uh, there's a viral video of, uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember which hip hop group, but there was a hip hop group that had a concert and there was a deaf interpreter there uh, interpreting the lyrics of their songs, oh. and of course, because it's music, she was dancing and, and making you know broad gestures and, and, and facial expressions. Uh, she herself, again, is not deaf. She's a deaf interpreter. That's her job to d- interpret for deaf audience members. Uh, but the uh, musicians themselves were aware of her and actually um, you know gave her a great deal of respect and admiration from the stage and honored her during their performance. And that was the viral video that was out a few weeks ago. And so a lot of actors find uh, a, a, a second career in that as well. Well, what I like about that is that the lesson learned is just because you're trained as an actor doesn't mean if you don't get a job acting, then you somehow have failed. It's, right. And it's a little bit parallel to you know my master's degree. My, my bachelor's is in English. My master's is in education. And I graduated at a time where there were no teaching jobs. Because mm-hmm. again, cyclical. Too many teachers, not enough teachers. Too many teachers, not enough teachers. And I hit it at the wrong time. Right. So um, what I learned is that uh, learning how to break down complex uh, ideas and be able to teach other people how to wrap their heads around them and own them 
um, was a very valuable skill for other industries. Mm -hmm. I ended up in marketing. Right. I ended up in communications. Um, I ended up in training, you know, corporate training. Yeah. And I, with my experience in film school, a lot of what I worked on actually, uh, which surprised a lot of people, is writing. Uh, the idea is that in order to be a film director, you have to have a script. And since no one else is going to be writing you scripts while you're in school, you have to write your own. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of writing training involved in a film degree. And so I became very enamored of writing. I enjoy it very much. and would love to do it for a living. And guess what? I kind of am right now. Whether it's writing the blog posts for the website, uh, for our company or writing scripts or uh, even outlines for podcast episodes, uh, you know, rewriting textbooks. I'm using a lot of those same skills pretty much every day in my day job. Sure. So the a lot of the skills that you learn, no matter what the major is, they're transferable. Right. So if you're a creative writing major, and that's one of our majors on this list, uh, maybe you don't get a job as a writer. I mean, how many places have jobs for creative writers? Uh, if you look at it from that perspective, how many companies are going to be, you know what we need? We need someone to write novels for us and poetry. We really need poetry at this corporation. That's not going to happen. Uh, and if you're off on your own trying to make it as a writer until you can uh, leave off any day jobs and just you know write full-time for a living, and again, there's a limited number of people who can pull that off. Not everyone is Stephen King or J.K. Rowling. Uh, you're, you might want to find a position where you can utilize those skills uh, technical writing, creative writing, uh, different ways to, to write uh, on a daily basis so that you're using those skills and always constantly honing them even if it's not technically creative writing. Well and I've learned in my travels again through marketing and especially communications that good writers are very hard to find these days. People who, who know how to use punctuation properly to get messaging across effectively. Even corporations need people to help them craft their messaging. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of those, again, great transferable skills. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that you have to give up on your dream. Right. But, um, you know, just like bagging groceries at, at um, Trader Joe's, it is a good way to put food on the table while you're moving from, uh, you know, project to project to pursue your passion. Right. And, and one thing that creative uh, artists, uh, folks who've done these uh, creative arts majors, uh, radio and TV film production, illustration and, and art history, theater, uh, creative writing, studio art. One thing you can do is leverage the power of the internet. That was, that's something that wasn't available back in the day. For, for millennia, uh, you know, artists in, in Renaissance times had to get uh, a patron, someone to pay for their art. And now uh, you can use the power of the internet to get folks to, to commission artwork for you. Um, you can create art for websites and use technology to leverage your skills. Um, there's a lot, I know a lot of artists either in person or just from the internet who uh, do tutorials on video and get a following and then they can get commissions mm -hmm. um, on all different types of art. I, I actually follow a brilliant uh, watercolorist from Brazil who, who teaches classes uh, both in person in Brazil and these little tutorials, uh, 15 second videos on Instagram. How to draw a tree, kind of thing. Yeah, well, yes, but not exactly. Uh, not not a tree, but other things like usually she does figures. Okay, that's her big thing. Okay. is spaces mm -hmm. and figures, which is really hard. A lot of people struggle with that, and I'm not a big fan of watercolor personally. It's not my favorite style of art, so I'm just very impressed. And she's leveraged that into a, a career doing commissions and teaching these classes. Well, and there are also websites like Fiverr 
uh, I think it's Fiverr with two R's. And two V's? Maybe it's two V's. Um, it's not spelled F-I-V-E-R, and I don't, yeah. I don't remember exactly, but there are a lot of websites like that where um, it's, it, it's a kind of a matchmaking site for mm-hmm. people who have an art project and for people who can complete an art project. Right. And you put, um, if you're looking for, I know that we went on there to see if we could find an artist who could create a new logo for us, or, right. um, or you want a picture drawn of your cat, or whatever it may be. There are a lot of people out there who don't have the talent themselves, and mm-hmm. this is a great way to link up with people like that. Sure, and then there's websites like Etsy and Pinterest, which try to uh, monetize uh, for the artists, ways for them to sell their art directly to customers. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of options. Uh, and again, that's obviously visual and three-dimensional artists, but for musicians, film and theater artists, and production folks, uh, you have YouTube and similar services uh, on the internet. Uh, there's, for example, uh, a French special effects artist who could not get work so he got a bunch of friends together raised some money and uh made uh, a film film with his children he made two actually two films that i watched that my children love uh, a, a kind of parody of iron man called iron baby <laughs> i bet it's awesome it is awesome and then a parody of a bruce lee film again with his one of his babies fighting a giant teddy bear and then it was a juxtaposition between footage of his like two-year-old son in a yellow jumpsuit a la Bruce Lee and juxtapose that with a man in a giant bear costume and how he used his special effects skills to put them in the same frame and have this huge fight. And the films are brilliant. You can still probably find them on YouTube. Uh, one, I know one is called Iron Baby. I forget what the uh, other one is. It might be Dragon Baby. But they're excellent little films and those two short films, which cost him quite a bit of money out front, got him work mm-hmm. as a, a, a visual effects specialist on feature films. So I would say leverage the power of the internet. Do what you're gonna do. Uh, you know, Have that backup job, that day job, but do what you're gonna do and put yourself out there. Use the internet to get yourself out there. I think that that's good advice. Um, if it's not too abrupt a topic change, before we run out of time, I wanna talk about some of the ones that were surprises. Yes, let's um, do that. Because I think that these jobs are not the ones that you would think would be difficult to find a job in, like criminal justice. Right. Um, that's one. And some of these, I think, are sort of esoteric, and I'd need more definition, like human services, for instance. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure what that would involve. But, right. But the ones that really stood out to me, criminal justice and project management, um, Again, as I mentioned earlier, and even paralegal services, having a paralegal available, I would think, with yeah. the amount of lawyers in in the country, yeah. that that is a surprise. And it was for me as well. And they didn't explain. Um, right. No, this, there was no explanation. That was the thing. It's just a list. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we may have to do a little research and maybe revisit this. But yeah, another one that surprised me was healthcare administration as a major. I healthcare is exploding in this country as a profession. Uh, I from just looking around uh, when I advise students, I know that. There's just a desperate need for healthcare professionals in this country at all levels. Everything from doctor and hospital administrator through nurses, all the way through pharmacy, you know, administration, uh, legal, all these different parts of the, of the healthcare system are desperate for people. There's just not enough people to work them. So I was genuinely surprised to see healthcare administration uh, on this list. I agree with you. So. Um... I think what would be most valuable for us to maybe do is talk about how a student who's 
really wants to go into criminal justice or mm -hmm. who really wants to be a paralegal and maybe someday be a lawyer, um, as they're either approaching the beginning of those studies or during those studies, um, what kind of recommendations can we make for them to have the better than average chance, a, a little leg up on their competition, as it were? What What's the way they can do that? Well, one thing I've noticed is uh, if there's a crunch in your field and there's not enough jobs for people, one of the things that hiring managers, HR departments go to is experience. They want people who, you know, they want, you know, someone with a good education, you know, they're young and they have 10 years of experience. So, <laughs> oh, wait a second, you want someone with, you know, fresh out of school but also has already 10 years of experience? That's you know, kind of impossible. But they really want to stress experience. And so if you're having a hard time getting that first job to get you the experience to get that first job, uh, Think about going into business for yourself. So there's two two on here that that uh, also surprised me. Physical education teacher uh, was one of them, and exercise science. And you say, okay, I guess. I mean, you know, lots of schools are cutting gym. So if that's a field where you're really interested in exercise science, physical education, um, you know, human health, uh, how do you how do you get a job if you, if, if you don't have the experience to get a job. And I would recommend, you know, talk to someone, uh, raise a little tiny bit of money and maybe file to have your own LLC and have a personal business as a physical trainer. Get yourself out there, start with people you know and this, you know, build up your reputation and, and get, get experience so that you have experience doing the thing that you train to do and doing the thing that you love. Well, there's also the option of, there are for-profit companies out there um, things like little gym um, companies that have uh, or even summer camps uh, there are lots of ways that you can apply exercise science to or working at a um, the why <laughs> the why would be one I'm, I'm thinking of uh, okay. planet fitness is oh, what planet I'm thinking fitness. Of. Okay. something like a like a gym there are lots and lots of gyms um, gyms are, I, I can't even fathom the amount of money they make because so many people sign up and um, so many fewer actually go. So they have, um, you know, the, the, the businesses are booming and they're opening up new centers all the time. Right. And um, I actually have a friend whose job it is, is to scout new centers because mm -hmm. they're just, they, they can't have enough of them. So. Yeah. Um, I guess the point is that for this specific instance, there are ways, again, to leverage your your um, education in physical education into something that may not be, you know, the traditional gym teacher for a while, but perhaps can be you know, adjacent or tangential to what you want to do and can give you that experience. Now, there's also the idea of internships. Mm -hmm. Internships are something we talk about all the time with our students. Um, instead right. of a summer job, or, or it could be a summer job, it could be a paid thing, but um, while you're in school, finding employment or activity that would be resume boosting as opposed to something like, um, you know, pumping gas right. or, or bagging groceries. Yeah, I agree. And, and there, there's a lot of those opportunities. And I think the, the big thing about those is starting as early as possible. Yes. Start in college where you're not as concerned about earning money. When you have a dorm room, when you have some place to live, you're on the meal plan, and so you're not as worried about the the day-to-day the -day cost of living. Um, there's a lot of other things on here. I think we should revisit this topic. We're going to, I think, there's other articles that, we, that we've talked about. So I think we're going to come back to this. Mm -hmm. I, we, sh we should definitely come back to this. So I think that we'll, that we'll wrap it up for now. 
Uh, once again, I'm Jason Breitkopf. I'm with Christy Davin. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you have any comments, you can always reach us at our uh, Twitter page, at EndeavorPod. And then uh, if you do that, I'll get a notification on my phone and I'll follow up with you. And I love uh, chatting with people who reach out to me. Uh, you can also like, favorite, uh, heart, star, whatever your podcast app of choice lets you do to show you like an episode. Please feel free to hit that share sheet and share us on Facebook and Twitter. And as always, you can subscribe so you get the episodes right away. Uh, thank you for listening and let's all keep learning.